Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church. You can find more great content like this online at citylight.church. Jesus, we thank you we can gather here tonight. Uh, We pray that um, as we look over some of these things that we really want to be about as a church, that you will come and speak to us by your spirit. Uh, That this wouldn't just be uh, my musings, Lord, but that you would come and speak to all of us, myself included. Uh, We ask that this word would build us up as a church, that this would help us to be a greater reflection of who you are for your glory. And we ask that uh, many, many people uh, would come to faith through you working through this people. Amen. So we are in our, the third week of our launch series, launch series looking at four key goals, uh, statements, whatever you want to call them, that help to define and shape us as a church. And these are the four. They are missionally engage culture with the gospel of Jesus, make disciples, train leaders, and multiply communities. So we've covered the, uh, the first two of those over the last couple of weeks, and the podcast for those will be up hopefully this week if you want to catch up. Uh, but this week we're looking at uh, training leaders. So you might ask yourself, you know, four things, why this one? Why is this so important, train leaders? We want to be a church that trains leaders. Why is that? Well, what is a leader? In simplest terms, and I'm going to take this down, is, is a leader is someone who helps move people from one place to another. If you think about uh, little kids playing following the leader, they're moving people from one place to another. And so we want to train leaders because we believe that God is calling people on a mission. We believe that God uh, takes us wherever we, wherever we are, whoever we are, he takes us where we are, but he also loves us enough not to leave us there, but he wants to lead us out of where he finds us into his sanctification and into his kingdom. So all throughout time, God has chosen and called people into leadership to lead his people for a purpose, and none of them have been perfect, as we'll explore a little bit later on, uh, looking back over the Old Testament, the New Testament, I say the only perfect leader in the Bible was Jesus. And so what I'm talking about tonight isn't just people with a title or people with a position. There's kind of, I would say, informal and also formal leadership. So you can have a title. Someone can say you have given the title of uh, discipleship group leader or any other title and, and Having a title doesn't necessarily make you a good leader, and in the same way, you can be a great leader without a title. And so we're looking at formal and informal leadership tonight, all of it. Um, We're talking about both. Many people like the idea of being a leader, uh, of being a leader. Uh, Not everyone. Some people just, not, not me, I never want to do that, and that's okay as well. But tonight I want to look at If you want to be a leader, what different spheres or areas of leadership are there? And if you want to lead, what do you do? I'd like to put it out there that to a certain point, this first category of leadership that I'm going to talk about, I think that all Christians are called to this, and you'll see why in a minute. But if you want to be a leader, you need to start with what's in front of you. Uh, You may not know this, but I am not God. 
If anyone thought I was, um, we'll chat afterwards. I'm not God, and God doesn't operate on my rules. But this is just kind of my thought here. Uh, If you aren't taking care of what is in front of you, if someone came to me and said, John, I I really uh, want to step up and I want to take the next step in my leadership and I want a, a bigger position than what you've given me, my thoughts would be if you're not taking care of what's in front of you, of what you've already got, why would you be given any more responsibility? And it's the same, I think, we all need to start with what's in front of us. If you want to be a leader, you need to start by leading yourself. Start with yourself. If you want to be a leader, you need to ask yourself, am I going somewhere? You can't lead if you're not moving. Um, And as much as I say you want to lead yourself, what I really mean is this. It's really about being led by God. A good leader is a good follower. How are you leading yourself into following God? The best way to stay following God is to remind yourself of the gospel and of what God has done for you. We don't, as a Christian, do works or do good things or even lead or even follow to make God love us or to be better people. Instead, we follow him and we lead because he already does love us. It's so important uh, for our leadership and, and our own discipleship in general to find our identity in the gospel and the person and work of Jesus, not in what we do, not in our title, not in who we lead, not even in our own discipleship and good works. We find our identity only in the gospel and in Jesus. I have a a six, almost seven-month-old son, and and part of his nightly bedtime routine is uh, we have this uh, kid's storybook Bible, and we read him a story from the Bible, and uh, it's great. Who ever knew that going back and reading kids' books could be so good? I really enjoy it because what's great about it is in this particular kid's Bible, it really focuses on who Jesus is. And it's a real reminder that the gospel is actually pretty simple in some respects. And we tend to overthink it and we tend to make it more complicated than it needs to be. And just the other day in this Bible, we are reading with my uh, six or my seven-month-old son, you know, it really is more for the parent's benefit. I'm, I'm certain he doesn't understand what we're saying. But it's good for our benefit. Time and time again, going through the Old Testament, it brings up leaders who are weak and broken and never good. And God uses those people for his work, for his glory, And continually, it's not the people that you would expect. But the point of all those bad leaders, all throughout the Old Testament and all throughout the New Testament, we see this as well, is that they point to Jesus. You know, we see uh, all these judges in the book of Judges, people like uh, Samson and Deborah and uh, all the judges, and we realize that none of them are good enough and we need a better judge. And that's Jesus. And we look at all the priests of the Old Testament and we see that none of them are holy enough. They all have to go through these cleansings and through these things and 
Jesus is the only one who can be the true great high priest. Then we see all the kings of the Old Testament and they all fail in their duty and we know that we need God to be our king. We have uh, great leaders who are remembered for being great people but Moses didn't go into the promised land because he failed. He led God's people for 40 years and didn't get to go in. Samson slayed a Philistine army on behalf of Israel in their thousands and he couldn't keep his word or keep his pants on. King David led his people well, but he was a murderer and a brute and an adulterer. And so the point of the Old Testament and the leaders in them is to show us that we need Jesus. We can't hide behind a great leader to be our saviour. We can't hide behind great people. We need God himself as a saviour, and that's why Jesus came, so that he could be our perfect king, our perfect judge, our perfect priest, our perfect leader. And so all of us are going to fail continually. And so we need to hide in Jesus or be found in Jesus, not in our own leadership, our own discipleship, our own ability to muster something up within ourselves, but in him. Colossians 3 verses 1 to 4 says this, If you have been raised with Christ, and if you're a Christian, you have, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are of earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. When we find our identity in anything or anyone other than God, we are making that thing an idol. To be hidden in Christ means, to, means that you choose to make him your highest judge, your highest leader. If you are hidden in Christ, you don't make what others see you your primary concern. You don't make how others see you your primary concern. Leaders and disciples hidden in Christ don't shy away from godly conflict. Leaders who find their identity in who they lead only say what people want them to say. And they only say what people want to hear. But leaders hidden in Christ do it for their own glory. Leaders hidden for Christ don't do it for their own glory, more to the point. They do it for the glory of Jesus. And so I want to encourage us all to remember the gospel. Remember that your worthiness to stand before God isn't based on the size of your DG or how many times you've multiplied it out or how many people want to be your best friend and get that bicycle and go to dinner with you. It's in Jesus and his finished work on the cross. And out of a response to that, of what God has done for us, and out of a response to that, is why we want to lead and and serve and and follow and love him. And so if you want to be a leader or you aspire to leadership, you need to learn how to follow well. There's multiple verses on this. Uh, 1 Timothy 4, verse 7-8 says, Train yourself for godliness. 
For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Psalm 119 says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And Romans 12:11 says, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. There's a common uh, theme or common uh, push throughout all these things, which uh, is this. It says train. It says meditate. It says remember. It says be fervent. Train, meditate, remember, be fervent. It sounds to me like all these things are going to take effort. We put in no effort for our salvation. But out of a love for God and out of a thankfulness for what he has done for us, we work, we train, we meditate, we remember, we be fervent. We need to not get the order confused. If we get the order confused, that's when we become religious or legalistic. If we put the work before the love, we become religious and legalistic. But we work hard, we train, we meditate, we remember because God loves us, because we're thankful, not to make God love us. If you're leading yourself well, and perhaps maybe you will lead others. And so the, the second kind of area we want to look at as we act as leaders tonight is to lead other people. All throughout the Bible, uh, Christians are called to love one another and be accountable for one another. And so again, I would actually say that everyone who is in Christ here, this is actually you. You all need to be leading others. All throughout the Bible, Christians are called to love one another and be accountable for one another, and we all have a duty to be leading one another towards Jesus. I mean, even when we gather in this place and sing songs together, the songs that we sing are not just, like, we don't just turn on whatever's on popular radio and just sing it. They're actually songs that we pick for a purpose. When we come here and we sing together, we encourage one another because the words we sing remind us of the gospel and they remind us of the person of Jesus. When we gather with each other throughout the week in our discipleship groups, we remind each other of who Jesus is and the work he's done. We're responsible for each other. We care for each other. And so we all in the church have a a responsibility to each other, to care for each other, to lead each other. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. We all also have a call to make disciples. All Christians have a call to make disciples, like we looked at last week. That can look like your kids, if you have them, your spouse, if you have one, your one friend, or it could be a whole discipleship group group full of people, a whole church of people, I want to ask yourself, with the people that are in front of you that God has given you to lead, that God has given you to love and serve and call to himself and remind of the gospel, are you doing it? Mums who are here among us, are you leading your children well? 
Dads among us, are you leading your children well? Are you leading your wife well, those of you who are married? Are you sacrificing of yourselves to lead them towards Jesus? Single people among us, are you using your singleness as a gift from God and pursuing people to love and lead in Jesus? Or are you using your extra time of singleness for your own comfort? Singleness, I want to encourage those of you who are single. Singleness is actually a really great time to have your life completely wrung out for God. And it's also a really great training for when you're not single. Because you may not know this, but the amount of free time you have now is extreme. It's a really great training to have your life wrung out for God and his mission now. Because when you are not single you will have your life wrung out for your spouse and for your kids if you're blessed with them. All of us, it's a challenge. Are we loving people beyond ourselves? Are we living for people beyond ourselves? Who are you living for? Who are you loving? Who are you sacrificing for beyond yourself? All Christians have a call to lead others towards Jesus, other Christians and people who don't know him yet. So if you're leading others, you may consider, and I say may because this is not the next step. It doesn't make you better than anyone else. It just happens to be some people's gifting and calling. You may become a leader of leaders. Uh, And so that would be people like our region leaders who oversee discipleship groups, That would be pastors, that would be elders, that would be uh, church planners, people who lead other leaders. And as we'll see, that's a servant leadership. So we want to... What I kind of wanted to do with this first little part is highlight to all of us that all of us actually have a responsibility, that all of us are to lead ourselves and all of us are to lead others around us because we are called in Christ to love one another. No one's off the hook here. And so this sermon, train leaders, it's applicable to everyone. So if we are all called to be leaders in certain spheres of our life, be it to ourselves, be it to our family, be it to uh, people who don't yet know Jesus, I'd say all of those are areas that we are all called to lead in. Uh, I want to let Jesus dissect our leadership. I want to look at Jesus and his life and how he led, and pull out some things from that, because he, uh, he is our God, but he's also a great model as well. And so the way that he led and lived and did his life, we can use that to reflect on how we're living and doing our lives. And so I want to say, well, let's look at Jesus and then ask the question, what kind of leaders, looking at Jesus, do we want to be? Whether that's leading ourselves, whether that's leading uh, one other person, whether that's leading a discipleship group, What kind of leaders, looking at Jesus, do we want to be? The posture of leadership is leading on your knees. Leaders are to be servants. We are to serve those we lead. Matthew 20, verse 20 in leading says this, And then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say to these two sons of mine, 
Say these two sons of mine are one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. And Jesus said, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, we are able. He said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it's for those whom it has been prepared by my father. And when the ten heard about it, the other disciples, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. And even as the Son of Man came not to serve, not to be, but not to be served, but to serve and give his life for a ransom for many. If you actually think about the what was playing out here, it's actually really quite interesting. So. These two disciples of Jesus who were brothers, their mother comes up to Jesus, and if you think about it, they're actually, uh, they knew what she was doing and they knew what she was asking because then they kind of, he answers her and then they kind of step in and answer for themselves. They are asking to be Jesus' you know, left and right, have places of prominence in his kingdom. They didn't quite understand what that was going to look like, but they are asking to be leaders under Jesus, uh, and they're so bold and so brave that they send their mum. So these two little boys, hiding behind their mother, go to Jesus, Mom, you ask him for us. Anyway, and he says, look, you don't understand the kind of kingdom I'm building. She thought she was asking on behalf of her sons. They thought they were asking through their mother for places of prominence. Kind of, let's go ask before the other disciples ask, and then we get to be, like, we're going to be something pretty special here. And Jesus says, you fools. I don't know what, what he thought about them asking through their mum. Maybe we'll ask him that one day. But he says, you fools. You don't understand. That's not how leadership works in my kingdom. In fact, if you want to lead, you have to serve. They didn't get it. How often do we not get it? This really is a question of character. In your leading, are you leading to serve? Or to be served? Do you just like being the boss? Or do you want to love people? Are you leading to fulfill some kind of felt need within yourself? Like, do you like get a kick out of seeing your name in lights? Or making the list? Do you simply want the prestige of having people look up to you? Or are you passionately in love with God's mission and want to serve to see that mission forward? I think all of us can examine ourselves because too often we actually start with the best of intentions. But they get twisted along the way. We go from serving, serving others through our leadership to using our leadership to serve our own interests. Our need to be loved, our need to be accepted, sometimes even our desire, evilly, to be worshipped and praised. But it's God who should be praised and glorified for what we do. We have to be servants in our leading. Which leads into the heart of leadership. To be a servant is to love someone the way that Jesus wants us to be serving is out of love. 
We see the way that Jesus loved the people he was called to serve. Uh, In Matthew 23, it says, this is Jesus' lament for the people he was sent to. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered you, your children together, as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house, house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus is saying to the people, lamenting about the people he's called to, I wished I could gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks. You see his heart. If you truly desire to lead from a servant heart, you will weep over those you lead. You have your heart broken. To lead well is to love well. And Jesus can grow this in you. Now, none of you are like this at all. Um, You may have heard like pastoring ministry called like shepherding ministry or you kind of lead the sheep. That kind of image is is in the scripture and it's talked about in the church. and, And the thing about leading sheep or being a shepherd is that sometimes the sheep bite you. And I'm sure that none of you would ever bite one of your leaders Hopefully not um, figuratively. Anyway, <laughs> um, hopefully not ligurative, hopefully not figuratively, figuratively or literally by your leaders. But sometimes the people that you're leading and trying to love, sometimes they hurt you. But you need to love them and not make them lamb chops when they hurt you. You will. Weep over those that you lead if you truly seek to love them and serve them the way Jesus wants. And Jesus can grow that in you. Those of us called to lead, which is all of us, we actually need to get messy and get involved. Jesus sets us the example in this in we see in John chapter 13. He says, Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you will have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. And that's why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, so you ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example 
that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. To lead is to have your life wrung out for the good of others, and it's to get messy. It's to get your hands covered with other people's mess. The roads in that day uh, were hot, were dusty, and so when a guest turned up in your house, you usually had a servant uh, wash their feet, and if you didn't have servants, you would offer them water to bathe or you'd wash their feet yourself. And not only were the roads dusty, but animals travelled the roads, and so the roads were probably likely covered in animal excrement and all sorts of things. And Jesus washes his disciples' feet, gets down on his knees with a basin of water, with a towel, and washes their feet. And you may not, I don't think we're to take this literally, and you may not actually wash people's feet now. I don't think that's part of our culture, and it's probably not what we need to be doing. But in reality, people's lives are messy, and you should expect to get involved in that. And Jesus is that great example in this because he's going around the room washing his disciples' feet and he knows from this text we see that Judas Iscariot is going to betray him. He's going to sell his life for 30 pieces of silver and he gets down and he washes the dung off his feet and serves him. In fact, more than that, Jesus, who is God, didn't choose to leave us humans in our lost state, but he entered into human history as the man Jesus Christ. And he went to the cross and he was spat on and he was despised and he was beaten and he was covered in the mess of humanity, bore our sins to serve us and to love us We can't expect that in leading people we won't get a little bit messy because we are all really good at presenting a demure exterior. We're all really good at putting on a brave face. But if you get to know someone, like, really, for more than five minutes, every single one of us, let's be honest, is a little bit messed up in all sorts of different ways. And if you seek to lead and love people which all Christians have a call to do as we lead people towards Jesus and love them in the gospel, and you will get messy because people are messy. And when that happens, we need to remember that we have a God who didn't stay far off from human mess, but willingly, lovingly entered in so that he could love us and lead us back to himself.
Who have you not tried to lead and love because you're afraid of getting too messy? Perhaps the reminder that God came and loved you in your mess could help spur you to action and loving people out of their mess. And finally, the strength of a leader will always be God. We see in Luke 5, Jesus, God the Son, leaning on God the Father. While he, Jesus, was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. I don't want to know what it looks like, like to be half full, but this dude was full. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged no one to him to tell no one, but to go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Jesus, God incarnate on earth, would withdraw from ministry to quiet, desolate places and pray. And we are also to depend on the Father, just as Jesus did. If you try and lead and love people and do things in your own strength, you will either burn out very quickly or you will do it for your own glory. If Jesus needed time away with his Father and he's God... Who are you to not need time away with your heavenly Father? Are you better than Jesus? All of us need to be dependent on the Father. All of us need to be dependent on God. I think this is so we don't forget whose people it is that we're actually leading and to whom it is we're leading them. We have God, the Holy Spirit, living inside of us but we are called to not be self-made people, but be people made by God, dependent on God. And so as we build this church of City Light North Adelaide, I want to, you may be wondering, how can I get involved? Who can be a leader here? And my response is, you all can You'll have varying degrees of coldness and giftedness, but all of us are called to lead ourselves in following Jesus. All of us are called to lead others to Jesus through the Great Commission. And some of us might be called to lead others, uh, being discipleship group leaders. We want to train leaders and we want to have this as one of our values because simply because we want to serve more people for Jesus. And we want more people to be discipled, cared for, and loved. In planting this church in City Light, North Adelaide, this is not actually an end within itself. Our goal is not to plant this church and then perhaps fill this building or find a bigger building and then celebrate and be like, woo, yeah, we did it. That's not the win for us. We actually want to train leaders because we want to keep growing and we want to keep multiplying. 
And so my heart and my vision for us here in City Light North Adelaide is that we would grow here and put down deep roots here in North Adelaide and we would bless the community of North Adelaide and surrounding suburbs and that we would be a light of the gospel here in this place. Yes, but also that we would actually multiply and send out other people. And it is my heart that from here that we could actually send out other church plants uh, into the north, into the northeast, into the east of our city. I don't want our win to be City Light North Adelaide being amazing. I want our win to be gospel multiplication, seeing more of Adelaide reached, more churches planted, more people loved. And so we want to raise up leaders We want to train discipleship group leaders. We want to train region leaders. And we want to train church planners so that more people are reached for the mission of God and more people are loved and served and cared for. More people hear about Jesus. Starting with what's in front of you, are you leading yourself in following God? Are you leading those God has placed directly in your life? And are you doing it in the manner in which Jesus has called us to? servant-hearted, with big love, with hands that are willing to get messy and with hearts that are willing to serve. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are so good to us, that you take us wherever we are, you lead us out of darkness and into your glorious light, into your kingdom. We pray that just as you have called us to follow you, you have also called us to make disciples, to help others follow you. And so we would ask that you would build us up and equip us for that through your Holy Spirit. You would cause us to be humble and servant-hearted and in love with your gospel. That you would give us hearts for those you are calling us to reach and serve and love. And through this church, Lord, that you would be glorified and made much of. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church, or to donate to the work of City Light Church, visit us online at www.citylight.church.